here talk is um, the Divas Revisited, first of the nine. One of the reasons why I'm talking about this subject, of course, is that the Divas are quite important. We're now in the sign Virgo, which is the sign of the Diva Kingdom par excellence. We all love Divas. Those of us that work with them have seen them most joyous. What are Divas? Well, when I was talking about the blackness that originally was, that also is a Diva. And when we talk about the light that eventually is, that also is a Diva. Um, Diva is substance. Diva is everything, every word is form. Whenever something comes in existence, there's Diva. It's uh, quite a simple concept. The Diva is the feminine incarnate or the person of the Trinity. And the first person we can call Will, God, Father. Um, the second person is the Son. The third person is the Mother, which is the Diva, the Mother that gives birth to the Son through union with the Father. That's an anthropomorphic way of trying to give you this concept. But it's the truth. When you are looking at as a universe from the point of view of yourself, then you're looking at that which is in cre- a creation, a womb, that is Diva. What grows outside that created form is the Spirit of God. That which comes as a consequence of their union is the boundless all. From the point of view of being inside the womb, then you see everything as diva. When that womb no longer exists, then the sun is. And the sun is the all. When it is time again to create another form, then the diva comes into existence to produce the new child through union with that son that now appropriates the father's role. Let us just simply say diva is all. And I like the word all because it's got this numerological connotation of 133, the number 7. It's got the raise to it in 133. And again, it's got this connotation of father and the diva into relationship with it. I'm so infatuated with divas. That which you call the boundless all is another way of defining this is consciousness. But consciousness is not mind. When I speak of consciousness in this particular definition of it, I'm not talking about what you regard as consciousness, which is using your empirical minds. Awareness is probably closer to the understanding of it. Unbounded awareness that unites the all into unity. And that consciousness, or unbounded awareness, which is not mind, is human, or masculine, or the sun, in contradiction to diva, which is everything else. Whatever is being bound is diva. 
the whole principle flip-flops like that depending on level of, of perception you're looking at. Because from consciousness, one can move to the deeper, or consciousness can move to the deeper, and the deeper can move to consciousness also. Nothing is rigid. The difference between the deeper kingdom and the human kingdom, in terms of what we may call mind, or one is that the human kingdom sees colour and hears sound. The deeper kingdom sees sound and hears colour. We grow from a point of ignorance to greater and greater bounds of wisdom, knowledge and then wisdom. They start from a hugely amorphous state and become more and more intensified light as they evolve. They polar opposites to human thinking. Whatever you are, look at the reverse of it in a good way and therefore you get a concept of... (coughs) But it's not quite as simple as that. Just think of your form. Every cell in your body is made out of divic substance. The whole substance of your mind is diva. Everything that you think is you is appropriated from the diva kingdom. So what is it there that's human? Those of you that have actually been sick, you get a good chance to talk to your divas because they're the ones, little divas in your body that are busy healing you, busy trying to fix you up. What you have to try to do is give them the right conditions to fix you up fast. Go fasting. Don't bring in clogging substances that make the sickness worse. Give them divic potencies, such as healing herbs and cleansing foods. And, of course, tract divas that are the divas of sunlight, such as in vitamin C and lemons and oranges and things like that. Think diva, and you think health, healing, vibrancy. So what is it that you think is you when you're looking at yourself in the mirror? Your mind is diva? All of those cells are divic? Everything that comes from you is but emanations of divas. Whenever you eat, you appropriate divas. When you cough, you're coughing out divas of different qualities. We have different names for all cause, fairies, pixies, salamanders, dryads, water sprites. We can go on with various different religions. The human aspect is the soul. The soul incarnates a spark of life into the womb at the appropriate time when there's some reason to do so because male and female have interrelated. Literally speaking, actually, the soul takes over the form when it is born. But it has planned all of that. It connects with the human heart, the seed of consciousness. Well, it's not quite the truth either. The consciousness link is connected to the heart in the head and the life red, the suratma from the monad is collected to the heart. You can see the difficulty of definition. It's that point of connection to the heart center that makes you human. All the rest is diva. The human portions technically, therefore, are the evolving chakras that relate to the heart center. But when we go and 
try to define what the soul is. I've given you a picture. You can get it also from DK's books, Cosmic Fire, specifically. Then what do you get? It's form, the nine main walls and the other petals, the twelve petals. But he calls them the interrelationship with the ninefold dhyanis, which are nine different streams of divas, specific divas that constitute the human soul. Yes, so there is something in you that is not diva per se, and that is that part of you that produces an opposite or form of evolution than is the diva evolution, and that's expansive, inclusive consciousness. That's probably one way of describing it. Now, one of the beautiful things when any of you that actually have talked to divas quite well know is that every one of them is intelligent. Even the littlest, littlest, little ones you can see, they're little units of mind. They're intelligence per se. They mind, 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 mind is growing from tiny little mind to cosmic mind. Each of them are units of joy. And this is the difference again in the sense between the diva and the human. Humans are intrinsically love, though you wouldn't know it when you look at the world today. But human beings are love embodied, exemplified. The divas are mind, they intelligence exemplified. Now, when I speak to any little diva, it is so brimming of joy that one could be forgiven and not mistaking them as love. And human beings is often so brimming with selfishness and all those other nasty types of pride and ego and so forth are not love. It's a misnomer, really, because we're only looking at this from the perception of a specific point in time in the evolution of the human kingdom. If you saw the human kingdom, the way it existed in early Atlantean times in the Golden Age, then you would have seen a whole bunch of very, very loving human beings. There was no mind. This thing we call intelligence, this appropriation of devic substance, has been aberrated by our wills to produce the ugliness that you see all around you. The divas don't know this. They know the joy of intelligent creation. They build. And another difference between the human and the diva kingdom is that they're nurturative. They listen to commands, to the sounds that are given to them to build with they automatically respond to that sound that commands them to act. Whereas humans are willful. They use their minds to command and they often use their minds to command to destroy, to take for themselves, to manipulate, yes, to make to build separative empires, 
This is the dark brotherhood way of doing things. We have to learn compassion, compassionate thinking. And when we learn compassionate thinking, then we're developing the human consciousness. And then we learn to restrict our voices to speak only when we can create as we command. The divas will obey automatically. No matter what you say, the divas obey. And therefore, you mould, manipulate, make around you the fabrications of human society, be it for good or for bad. The divas obey. They are loving and nurturative. They are the mothers of all things, all created things. It's out of their substance that all things are created, all things are made, all things are manipulated. Your emotions, your mind, the good and the bad in you is all divic substance. And because it is divic substance, so little law of karma works. Out of them, because you have commanded them to produce those aggressive tones of your voice, to attack another being with your forceful energies, your forceful mind, you have manipulated their substance into those energy forms. And later on, they want to revert back to what they were. And when they revert back to what they were, you get attacked by what you created. The same force hits you back. Whatever you unleashed, that comes back to you to fix you up. And the diva goes back into its quiet, serene state. Its joyous state. That is karma then. It's just a matter of waiting the seasons, the aeons if it needs be, before the diva can return. And you get back what you commanded. Little thoughts, big thoughts, loving thoughts, nasty thoughts, whatever you do on the physical body, whatever you think of your minds, however you manifest your emotions, the good and the unkind must all come back, all afflict you. And therefore you get your sicknesses and diseases over time because you created certain nasty types of energies in a former life and now the divas are saying, we will come out of you and we'll give you back these nasty energies because now you can experience them as you gave them then. And you must experience them as you gave them then. It's no good taking those pills, those painkillers or whatever it is, because you must sometime pay in pain and suffering the pain and suffering you cause others. And if you take the pill, then you must also pay for the destructive effect of that drug in your body as well. It's a double dosage of pain you don't need. 
later on to fix up. It's best to work with divas to, to heal yourself and with the healing energy of sunlight, which is not a form of diva. So, because the divas are the great mother in all of nature, so they obey. They build. But you command, and you command unconsciously, unwittingly, stupidly, and you can see it with all of human emotions. And then later on, that energy force that you manipulated them with must come back to you in order for the harmony of the universe to be restored. So, human beings willfully manipulate the divas, gracefully accept and bend to those commands. This is the power of mantra. Later on, as you develop compassion, you learn to control your emotions, you learn to control your mind, you learn to control your speech above all. You only say that which is useful and beneficial. You are aware of what it is that is the effect of your commands of diva substance. And then you are willing to receive the reciprocal at the appropriate time. Then, later on, as you develop yogic power, when the fires arise in you, you can begin to work with divas as a diva lord. You begin to learn the laws of creation, the law of fire itself, According to DK and cosmic fire, there's 27 subsidiary laws to do with fire. It all starts to become knowledge. Whenever we think of this word creation, whatever is created, whether it is a human unit, a chair, or a solar system, a cosmos, it is all created through commanding diva, divic substance. And that which commands can either be another diva, a diva lord, a raja lord, or human consciousness. The creator. What? In the religious books is called a god. They know the laws of sound. They know the law of the vibrancy of colour. So when we see colour, or when we paint with colours, we are giving sound instructions to the divas. When we speak words... We are giving colour instructions for the divas. In other words, patternings of light that they see and respond to. When a diva comes to you and its colour is blue and white, we see it as blue and white. 
But that blue and white, it's its sonorous emanation. It's its musical note on its own domain. It is saying, I am such and such. This is my name. Can all of you understand the vastness of the subject of Deva? That the Divas are, exist in various different orders, hierarchies of expression. There are certain constellations when you look up there in the night sky that the ancient wisdom religion has given them names, such as Virgo, the Pleiades, many, many other names we could go into. And these constellations are constellations where the divas specifically are trained, are educated. They manifest forms of evolution, forms of initiation, just as we do. There's ways of converging or moving from the diva kingdom to the human, and there's ways of moving from the human to the diva. One of the things to know or to understand with regards to our specific earth is that it's feminine. It's a feminine body of manifestation. Mars is masculine. It's the brother. The diva kingdom here rules. It's proper. The expression of the earth is that it's a gestation, a nursery, if you want, for successive... I'm looking at the earth scheme here, of this, the globes that um, evolve within the earth system. Nurseries for the evolution of human units. The Pleiadian system is the central star, or what we call Alcyon. The solar system itself is part of that star system. So the major form of education, educational process on this earth, is not really human, it's deeper. And within the deeper hierarchy comes the human consciousness. What we've just gone through over the past few thousand years has been a um, patriarchy, a patriarchal system. And we see it and note it very well in our warlike aggressive tendencies over the past few thousand years when history is recorded through succession of wars, zillions of killing and destruction of more human human beings and, and everything that they possess in order to build a new so it can be destroyed by another marauding army. And it's still going on now. But the Atlantean um, civilization was a matriarchy. And we have a feminine dispensation, very tuned to the Deva kingdom. And the epoch we're entering into now, the sixth root race, will again be a feminine dispensation, another matriarchy. It's quite an important 
thing to understand, therefore, what the Deva Kingdom is and the importance of feminine and femininity upon this planet. Because what we've just gone through and still going through is a relative aberration upon this planet. It's probably not right to say ruled by women, but it is correct to say ruled by the feminine principle in nature, by the nurturative, caring, giving side of nature. Whenever you look out there in nature, you see billions of different forms, all of the diversity in nature, the many, many types of flowers, the many types of leaf forms, the many different types of trees, all the different types of minerals. Everywhere you look, there's a multitudinous diversity in nature. And the whole evolutionary principle of that diversity in nature, that is the result of Deva consciousness, the Deva mind in application. The third ray, which I call mathematical exact activity, is mathematically exact. And when you look at that type of activity, then you get an idea of the nature of the Deva consciousness. Now, when you look at scientific activity, which is busy analysing and trying to understand all of nature and all of its laws, there you get human units mimicking the Deva mind, learning all about the Deva mind and calling themselves atheistic, when in reality they're students of the Deva kingdom. It's fascinating, is it not, when we look at our scientific community and what they're evolving into. Divas. The diva mind in application is what science and technology is. Of course, what we have manipulating all of that are politicians. They make the rules and they say that science must produce war machines, nuclear bombs. This is the will aspect, the masculine aspect, manipulating the feminine aspect, which is the scientific community, in order to produce the technology that is destructive, the destructive side of the masculine in our society. Wonderful concept. The true role of science, therefore, in technology is to produce the feminine gadgets, and I'm using the term feminine advisory here, all of those wonderful labour-saving gadgets that save all of us lots of time. I was going to say television set to start off with. (laughs) It's supposed to have been an educational tool, of course, but it didn't turn out that way. It only turned out to be a way of giving to humanity Atlantean clairvoyance in the fifth root race, Aryan method, the masculine method. But everything else you can virtually think of is divic constructs, washing machines, um, your toasters. You can keep on going, all the little computers you have, the things I'm talking to you with now aeroplane, cars, everything that 
enables the human community to do things much faster than travel in consciousness at a rapid pace now compared to what it was some hundreds of years ago when for human beings to do anything would take a lot of time. To create a chair was quite an arduous task, for instance. Now you get out your lathes and all the machinery and you can make it very fast. You can see in saving human beings a lot of time, it's given them leisure to study more. So we now have an explosion of information. The information age. So you can go to any library and it's filled up with zillions of books or you can go to your computer and type in a few keys and get zillions of information from that. But that's all Deva consciousness or the Deva way of thinking, which is mind, intelligence. What is the human consciousness? That is, when you sit and meditate and awaken expansive vistas of thought to collect it all together to collect all those dots in some intuitive way that is beyond mind of course there are demons the great angels the archangels the archoides cherubim, seraphim the seraphim depending on whatever language you want to use of course the kinis we can use that and they also have expanded states of awareness. After all, they yours and my instructors. They have also learnt the human way of thinking, but they manifested in a devic way through vast, expansive knowledge bank with mathematical exact pathways of reasoning. So it's difficult to understand when you look at little diva units, the little divas and flowers, that each one of them is a little consciousness, a little state of awareness. They're fully aware. They know what they're doing. They fully attune to all the other divas at their level. They have this much consciousness, a sort of quantum of consciousness to do what they need to do. And they're full of joy as they do that, as they build the flowers, as they paint the flowers. Human beings start from a state of ignorance and evolve awareness. They start from a state of awareness or consciousness, little units of consciousness, and growing and growing and growing and growing into more and more inclusive states of knowledge, states of consciousness, states of identification. How do human beings evolve? We, we that are evolving sitting here in our consciousness, we meditate. And as we meditate, we learn to cleanse our bodies of unwanted diva units that bring us down, make us sick, dull our consciousness we become more and more vibrant in consciousness. What we're actually learning to do as we do so is we start a marriage dance with the diva kingdom. We're seeking out appropriate divas to wed consciousness with, with intelligence. 
as you wed consciousness with intelligence or the principle of love with intelligence which is probably a better word than consciousness in this particular case then you get the abstract mind that is the enlightened mind the type of mind that transcends empirical reason this transcension of empirical reason is your pathway to bliss and mind. At the second initiation, you do your marriage vows with the Deva Kingdom. At the third initiation, you understand the nature of the Deva Kingdom. You comprehend their mind, their modus operandi of working. At the fourth initiation, you produce a marriage in this state we call the void where there's neither human nor diva but a type of fusion or blending of both. At the fifth initiation you again emulate a strand of cosmic diva thinking. At the sixth initiation the human unit and the Diva unit emerged totally into one fusion. We call monad. One, not two. There's a type of hermaphrodite version of what you call yourself at the fourth initiation, therefore. And a fusion or unity at the sixth initiation. And male-female version at the second and there's all sorts of alchemical law to do with these different states of union. And this is the mystery of sex, explained to you quite simply. Why there's such a urge, um, male, female in the human form, we play out the roles of marriage, etc., and copulation, and to produce the child, physically, that later on you do in consciousness in your meditation mind as you become more and more divine. As you seek out your true complement and marry it, merge with it, and become absolutely at one with it. And that is what this non-dual of the male-female copulative embrace of a Buddha with his consort, that non-dual aspect of the Buddhist tantric art is their highest state of bliss. And that is what I am describing here. And the Doge, the Visma Vajra, is the symbol of that high state of attainment. So when you look at the Vajra, when you look at the Doge, you can see that it's still there in Buddhism, in the Buddhist philosophy, if you can interpret it correctly, this marriage between the human and the dear kingdom. Or they're plainly for anyone to see if they have an esoteric eye. And 
before this happens or the process that this happens is that internally you have an Ida Nadi stream which is the Diva the left hand Nadi and the Pingala Nadi stream which is the human the right hand Nadi and there are places of emergence of the arising of the fire it's Kundalini fire that liberates you that awakens you in consciousness step by step and powers are developed which we call cities I can't go into this whole mystery properly here of, of what Kundalini fire is and how it came into being but the whole mystery of creation is veiled by its symbolism but there you have the potency of the Deva kingdom which is liberated by the sound of the father, the monad the monadic force descends down the spinal core to the base of the spine and weds with the feminine and liberates the combined force and then travels up the spinal column to liberate the human unit, liberate awaken chakras, liberate consciousness. But before it can do so, all of the nadis have to be coated in blue and love, the energy of love. And if it is not done so, then this fire will burn and destroy, send you insane. Our lunatic asylums are full of people who have tried to liberate their fires before they are ready, often in earlier lives, and now they must pay the price in this life. So insanity often it produces quick death. Much worse if you have lingering sickness of psychic diseases and possession of entities because you did not understand that the blue must come first before the fires can arise. Wonderful subject. We're in the sign of Virgo and Virgo is the sign of the mother for one very, very good reason. The whole region of the light sky in Virgo is full of galaxies. More galaxies in the space occupied by Virgo than anywhere else in the night sky. Virgo is the sign allocated to the matter because of all those galaxies. Each one of those galaxies is pouring into our body of space energies that is the sum of the zillions of lives that they embody the cosmic mother utilizes those energies from all of those galaxies to create the forms in our local portion of our own galaxy and that's part of the mystery of Virgo cosmically. It's, according to DK, the most ancient of signs for this reason. And it's a triune sign. Because these three energies, Aina, Pingala, Sushumna, is dominant. 
to produce the child, which is the liberating energy of Kundalini. A place where the stars are formed as far as the body manifestation of the one about whom naught can be said in DK's books is the Pleiades in the constellation of Taurus. Now, the Pleiades are hundreds of stars, and you've seen pictures of it. It's got this really, there's normally seven or eight bright stars. They're really beautifully violet blue and lots of gaseous substance. And that's where the initiates from this planet go to learn to become solar systems, planetary logi, and so forth. It's where you learn to become cosmic mothers, to give birth to suns, to give birth to our planet. And our planet itself, our solar system itself, is one such system that was born from this constellation. You can see that there is the way of travelling as a divine woman if you're going to travel the feminine way and not all humanity will go this way is via the Pleiadian system to learn to give birth to forms. There are other routes for human units to take which is for instance a masculine route that leads via the reaches of the Great Bear the consciousness route which leads via Sirius the, the route of love but all these three energies the feminine and the direct masculine and the consciousness are all blended in the form of the divine child there's just one other thing from Isotope Astrology on Virgo and and he says here on page 252, the word Virgo itself is a descendant of and the corruption of an ancient Atlantean root name which is applied to the mother principle in those far-off times. This virgin was the founder of the matriarchate which then dominated civilization and to which various myths and legends bear evidence and which have come down to us concerning Lilith the last of the virgin goddesses of Atlantean times. The same thought is also to be found in the traditionary accounts of the ancient Amazons, whose queen Hercules defeated, wrestling from her what he sought, which of course was her girdle. And actually that particular myth of Hercules um, wrestling her girdle was um, the transition from matriarchy to patriarchy. And that's happened during the time of Leo. Now, Lilith, as he said there, the last of the Atlantean queens, what he was really referring to was a whole succession of matriarchal heads. There was a lovely quote from the Zohar, which is a Hebrew Jewish book, she wanders about at night, vexing the sons of men and causing them to defile themselves. And modern occultism, she's the dark moon goddess, and often she's equated with as the as Eve, as the one who's tempted, the born out of the rib of Adam, and produced all the maleficent 
energies on this planet. Now, this basically has a reference to the ancient witchcraft that destroyed Atlantis, the misuse of the feminine energies of those times, the absolute abuse of the commands of the Diva Kingdom in order to manipulate psychically and to take for yourself psychically what you wanted until the whole face of the continent there was consumed with spells and maliciousness. That spells and that sorcery, that witchcraft on on a massive scale has to be fixed up by the new generation of initiates. Uh, That's what you're doing. Um, Zapping and cleansing away much of the evil that was created in those days, much of the sorcery. And therefore you get what you might call the degeneration of what is really a beautiful name. And you women initiates have to resurrect the name Lilith and convert it back into what it should be, which is the feminine principle that gives birth to compassion, the compassionate consciousness. Sounds like Tara. Yes, Tara. It's, it's important for all of you to understand that you are working to transmute the negative thoughts that are ingrained in the psyche, the human psyche, upon our planet as to the evil of femininity if they get into power. And you have it in all of the religions. Less so in Buddhism, but it's still there. In the Muslim religion, they have to wear a burqa. And in Christianity, you've got the concept of Eve and and the serpents. And you all understand the the way that that women have been chastised. You know, they're not allowed to become priests and so forth. So this whole miasma of evil thought concerning the nature of femininity, once it's gain some power on this earth has to be converted into the opposite and so the whole psychic maelstrom of thought that exists is what the feminine principle labours under and now must work to convert and it's not done through um, modern feminist spirituality and then the feminists themselves who uh, made it even worse through their man-hating tirades. It actually has to be done through compassionate action. So this is what those of you that hierarchy are sending into manifestation now Um, That's what your chore is really about, is to reverse the age-long negative image of the feminine when she's given power. You certainly know of the Inquisitional period in Europe where witches were burnt um, at the stake and witches were generally those women that were busy trying to heal their children with herbs and things like that or any woman that was different that somehow 
for instance, um, stood up to her husband would have been a witch because he had the right to belt her whenever he wanted to. We can go on with these types of examples of the type of image that was being created. A memory from those Atlantean times. Forgotten, but in the psychic constitution of this planet, still very much alive. We of hierarchy are becoming feminine. The majority of hierarchy will take women's bodies from now on. And it will be through great sacrificial acts that hierarchy will start to cleanse this negative image of the feminine in nature. And of course, most of you that are zapping are zapping a lot of witches for a reason. It's good to stop here with the concept of Lilith and Adam and Eve and the temptation of the serpent in the Garden of Eden and all of the negative psychic imagery of women and how seductive they are because, of course, men also fear their sexuality. They are somewhat overwhelmed by feminine sexuality when it happens, especially the men that are busy trying to cloister themselves in in monasteries and things like that. And therefore they've invented lots of um, rules relating to women to do with this type of fear. And then, of course, there's the periods, the issue of blood and things like that, which many religions, such as the Jewish religion, calls unclean, and the Muslim religion as well, the Hindu religion and Buddhism. So prevalent, and again, this is the tarnished image of the feminine. And you can see the great battle that women have to cleanse all of that fourth stream within the human psyche and to turn it all into radiant, brilliant, golden white light. Let us have fun over the next thousand years converting all of this negative image.